Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Sue Meyer. Today we're going to talk about the beloved (laughs) issue of poison ivy. Okay, I'm going to talk about something I don't know that much about. It's kind of embarrassing. I had poison ivy one time in my life, and it was when we moved to our home in Browerville. And (laughs) we were clearing the woods back further, um, so we had a bigger yard. And (laughs) we were in there, and I I was pulling didn't know it, but I was pulling poison ivy weeds. Well, we had these creepy crawly vines in the woods too. So they were intermingled with the poison ivy and I didn't know it. So I I did get poison ivy at that time and I only had like a few spots on my leg, even though I was pulling it with my hands for like hours. And anyway, long story short, it was the first and only time I ever got poison ivy and I thought I was going to die. It was in the spring before the leaves came out and everything else. And so I I have a sense of what poison ivy is like. But like I said, I only had a couple, three spots. Couldn't sleep. It was, it was horrible. And so when I see people with poison ivy, I honestly want to cry for them. I know Joy and I have been talking about different ideas of things for me to talk about on my podcasts. And I said, you know what? It's really an important time of year right now to be doing the poison ivy podcast. So people understand that there really is help. You don't have to constantly be allergic to poison ivy the rest of your life. You'll always be sensitive if you have a sensitivity. But I've seen people just get over it, you know, when they start using homeopathy and hit the right remedy that works for them. So uh, with that, we're just going to just go ahead and talk about some of the things you can do. Obviously, avoid it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We just went camping. I, okay. You all know I have 33 grandkids, right? And so the last two camping trips, obviously, wherever you go in northern or upper Minnesota, central Minnesota, there's poison ivy everywhere. The The entire perimeter of every camp we ever go to is covered in poison ivy. I will say the one camp we went to, they burned the fields around part of the camp. So that was kind of nice. Um, but you know, wherever you go on the trails and stuff, you have to be really, really careful. So we tell the kids, be really, really careful. And they had nice wide paths that you literally mowed through the woods and stuff. So the kids were able to avoid poison ivy. And I don't think Anyone got poison ivy the first time we went camping. The second time we went camping, it was Itasca State Park. You know, the headwaters of the Mississippi River. Seriously, that has got to be the worst park anywhere in the world for poison ivy. Because every campground is laced with it. Every trail is laced with it. Around the lake, it's laced. It's crazy. And so every time we go, all the kids who are susceptible get poison ivy. And they try like crazy to avoid it. But as you know... Anyone who is extremely susceptible to poison ivy, they don't even really have to touch it. They just have to be near it. I know Kent had written a letter about roos, which is poison ivy. Roos poisoning is is poison ivy. It's roos tox, which is the poison ivy plant. And then there's other roos plants as well. You have the like the, the poison sumac. You have poison oak. And poison oak and poison ivy are almost indistinguishable. Poison oak is slightly larger than poison ivy, but like I said, it's really difficult to tell the difference. So anyway, um, roost 
Kent talks about Bruce poisoning with a young lady who was playing croquet. And all she did was her ball rolled under the poison ivy plants, and she went over, bent down to look underneath the plants. And just being near them was enough for her to get poison ivy so bad that it became fatal. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's kind of scary, right? Well, you never hear of anyone dying from it anymore because we have so many things that can help to keep people from swelling internally. And we know about homeopathy. And of course, nowadays, if someone had a severe allergic reaction, obviously they would run to the hospital or whatever. We have like I say, we have the homeopathy that helps tremendously. Like I say, eventually, if you can find the right remedy that works, then you your tolerance to it gets stronger. So with that, we're just going to go ahead, and what I have done is I have, and you can print off this little list here so that you have it. We're going to talk about the different remedies that are most famous for roof poisoning. Now, it's when it, we're talking about the skin eruptions, that's basically what we're going to stick with today. If someone you know has roost poisoning or gets poison ivy so bad that it affects their breathing and everything else, you need to seek a homeopath because you need to figure out their emotional trigger or what's going on in their world, what's going on with their immune system and, and, and find a homeopath that can help you because there is help. And so today we're going to talk about the roost poisoning or the, the poison ivy that shows up on the skin um, because I won't even venture to try and help somebody that's, you know, having like breathing difficulties. I knew uh, a lady one time who they were cleaning again, the edge of the woods, they were raking everything up in the fall and they made big piles of leaves and they burned the leaves. Well, unbeknown to them, they had raked up a bunch of poison ivy leaves and vines into the piles of leaves. And when they burned them, it was in the air. She inhaled this ruse. She was highly allergic and she almost died. Um, yeah, it was, it was horrible. You know, these types of things really happen. And so you have to be really careful, especially the inhalation, because you don't want to get in your lungs. Like I said, I've never (laughs) had it like that. So I'm just talking from, you know, like stories, (laughs) but I, I do have a couple of children who get poison ivy really bad. My husband used to get it really bad. Like I say, the immune system tends to strengthen as we get older. If you're taking homeopathics and doing things well, your body gets becomes immune to a certain extent to things that it, like I said, your real immune system is strengthened when you're real small. You know, when, when those T4 cells are being produced in the bone marrow and then you travel to the thymus and then they're imprinted with an antigen of something you've been exposed to, that's when the strong immune system is built. Like from age one year to six years and even there after that a little bit up to the age of 14 where the thymus is slightly active yet. And then after that, the body just develops a, a sense of immunity if you give it what it needs to get over something. It, it's not ever going to get over it, over it, it's still, but it's going to become stronger. You see what I'm saying? Because, like I said, the actual immune cells are produced when we're very small. So with that, the remedies that are most famous, if, you, if someone says, well, what would you use for poison ivy? Nine chances out of ten, the first remedy anyone is going to say is Roostox. Roostox is poison ivy. And so therefore, the homeopathic remedy, Roostox, will antidote the actual infestation of poison ivy. So he gets poison ivy, he takes Roostox in a low potency. Now, I will say you can take Roostox in a high potency before the season starts, and you can slightly immunize your body before the season. And so therefore, when you do, if you are exposed to poison ivy, 
you, it won't become quite as symptomatic. I've had a lot of people tell me that that's very effective. It's not that they won't get it come spring, but when they do get it, it's a lot less irritating and they get over it much quicker. So I know my homeopath at one time, he said, if you take it every month, once a month for three months prior to the spring, then chances are you won't get it, even if you are exposed. Again, it depends on the person's immune system and their sensitivity to poison ivy. But that's a really good thing for everyone to do if they know that they get poison ivy. The other thing is, is if you actually get poison ivy, I've had people take a 30C and get worse. If they have actual, like the, the poison ivy pustules that are oozing and itching, and so they take a 30C and it gets worse, it intensifies. So my homeopath said if you stay with a low potency like a 6 or a 30X, or I don't even know if you get, get 6X anymore, but a 12X or 30X, the lower the potency, the more effective it is on the actual poison ivy itch. So that's something to really remember. Um, and then also, if, if Roostox does not work for you in just a few doses, and when I say work for you, people say, well, how do you dose? How do you know how much to take? And how do you know when to stop? And <laughs> Well, as I said, it depends on each patient is individual. So if a person is starts taking Roostox in whatever potency they have available or the lowest potency they have available, and they are finding no relief after one, two, or three doses within a half an hour, and I say no relief, a person, it doesn't matter what they're infected with. If they think they're getting better, well, I don't know. You know, the rash is still really bad and they're still itching that way physically. But if their mind feels like it's getting better, I think it's working. I think I'm feeling better. That's a good sign because the mind always heals before the body. So remember, we always treat the symptoms. It doesn't matter what we have. We were just talking about this last night. We had a class down in Kimball. Some of my friend Amanda and Holly and Cindy and a bunch of other gals we were visiting. It was so much fun, guys. Thank you. It was it was just so much fun to get together with people and just talk about stuff I love to talk about. <laughs> like I told Holly, it's so much nicer to have someone to talk to besides just the wall. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it. And so I was telling them that somebody can come to you and they can have an actual disease and they tell you the name of the disease that they have. And it's really easy not to get sucked into saying, oh, let's treat that disease. You have to remember you treat the symptoms of that disease. So in something even as simple as poison ivy, you have to remember to treat the symptoms. Okay, so people come to me all the time. What do you take for poison ivy? And I just look at them. Um, well, what does it feel like? What do you mean, what does it feel like? It itches. <laughs> okay, so that's why we're going to talk about these remedies. If you look up in a Materia Medica, well, just on average, say, for instance, there are 33 remedies listed that are possible roost poisoning remedies for itching and eruptive skin in poison ivy. So of those 33 I'm going to talk about 10 today that are the most famous. Or actually, I'm going to talk about 11. But if you download this little this little paper that we put together, you can always look back at it and say, oh, okay, okay, that's right. It's, it's, oh, it's better if I put it in under hot water. Well, that's kind of an odd rubric, isn't it? You know, or rude, or that we call it rubric, a symptom. That if you put it under hot water, it feels better. Some people say, oh, my gosh, no, I can't stand being in hot water. It has to be cold. Well, if you know that, that's a that's huge. That's what we call a modality. And if it's better for heat or better for cold or better for motion or better for still or whatever, then you are getting closer to the remedy that you should take. So with that, we are going to talk about these these 11 remedies that are possible poison ivy remedies. We already talked about Roostox, but we're going to talk about it again because that is the number one poison ivy remedy. 
I would say the number two poison ivy remedy would be anacardium. That's the first one we're going to talk about here on this list. And anacardium, oddly enough, is the marking nut. And it has itching that is worse for scratching. It is an extremely intense itch. It it, it itches so bad that the skin can actually become insensible and that you just literally, it doesn't even do any good to keep itching because it's just insensible. The eruptions can become swollen. The vesicles can actually become yellow and blisters will discharge a yellowish transparent liquid. And just so you know, the anacardium, I do have some other skin ailments here that anacardium is also really good for. And so when you look at this list that we've put together, you'll understand that anacardium is a huge skin issue remedy. And there's also, you know, the famous, you know, angel on one shoulder, devil on the other shoulder split in this person's, I won't say personality, but in their likes and dislikes, you know, they, the child who one minute is so sweet and cuddly in the next minute throwing rocks at his sister, you know, it's, there's that, that kind of a split personality. And honestly, we were discussing this at seminar not too long ago, and it literally at some time in everyone's life, they need an, a dose of anacardium. So it could be during, during the times of poison ivy, poisoning. <laughs> oh, shoot. But that would probably be the number two poison ivy remedy. I know when po- Bruce talks fails, anacardium very often will pick it up in, in help that person feel better. And the second remedy, and it seems kind of odd that bryonia is listed as such a strong roost tox or roost poisoning remedy. But if you think about it, bryonia is a huge lung remedy. And we know the affinity between the skin and the lungs is really, really strong. So it stands to reason that bryonia also is a really good poison ivy remedy. The bryonia person can have burning eruptions with great itching. They feel better when they scratch. But they feel worse when they're walking around rapidly. Erysipelas, which is, which is a, like a, a, a very fine, popular type rash, red elevated rash-like eruptions over the whole body. And the rash getting better when they're warm in bed. Yet, it can be, it'll be worse if they get too warm. So it's kind of interesting. It's better for the warmth of the bed, but it's also worse from becoming too hot. Bryonia people always feel better when they're lying down in a quiet room alone by themselves. That's just something to remember. So I I threw it in here, not because it's a a remedy I have honestly ever reached for in the case of poison ivy, but it is one that many people do reach for. The third remedy we're going to talk about is cantharis. And cantharis, oddly enough, we all know is the famous remedy for burning. So it does stand to reason that when the poison ivy is burning and smarter, just smarting so bad, it just literally hurts, and it's better for cold applications, this might be a remedy that you can consider. The vascular eruptions can actually start begin to turn black and have that burning and itching sensation, and they have a great restlessness. Again, that's a remedy that can be very useful if that poison ivy has gotten to the point where it's no longer itching, it's just simply burning and, 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 act, and becoming dark. And croton tiglium is also an excellent remedy. This is number four for roost poisoning. For any type of poison ivy or poison oak has the, the vascular eruptions with a watery oozing vesicles. These will appear in a, as clustered blisters, which can burst and form crusts, especially on the face or genitals. Frightful itching, frightful, terrible itching. But when they scratch, it's extremely painful. So just remember that violent, itching, burning red skin, sore if scratched, better for gentle rubbing. And they will often say that they feel, their skin feels really, really tight 
or hidebound. That's crotontiglium. Number five is graphites. Graphites is a famous skin remedy. Not necessarily famous so much for poison ivy as it is for like herpes or other ulcerative skin eruptions that ooze a honey-colored exudation. But it can be a good remedy for chronic poison ivy. So for those people who have this type of skin, the yellow, honey, sticky, honey-colored skin exudation and they get the poison ivy, you know, definitely use it. If that poison ivy is oozing that that honey-colored sticky, graphite is your remedy. Remember the anacardium was was a kind of a watery yellow exudation. Graphite is sticky, honey-colored, also yellowish. And then again, we have some other things listed. Oh, and also graphite is always worse from heat. And I do have some other things listed that are important to understand about graphites. Then we have Grindella robusta, which vascular and Grindella robusta with vascular and papular eruptions, poison oak. Um, This remedy is actually listed as a great local wash. So the plant itself can be used as a wash. Also for other rash-like issues with burning and itching, herpes, ulcers swollen with a purplish skin. So it's not a real popular remedy for roost poisoning, but it if you know what if it's if the symptoms are there, definitely use it. Number seven, we talked about roost tox already, which is poison ivy. Um, it's great for poison ivy and poison oak. Better for hot applications. Very important that you understand that if the person wants cold water only on their poison ivy, roost tox is not the right remedy. So it's better for hot applications. And it's worse and sensitive to cold air. Has burning and intense itching and the feeling as if pierced with hot needles. Itching all over. Worse on the hairy parts. Itching is worse when sweating. Burning after they scratch. Rubbing the affected part aggravates the eruptions. Because I know a lot of people say, oh, just rub it. Just rub it. Oh, that feels so good. If that be the case, it's not roost talks. And then again, we've also listed some other things that the roost tox is good for when it comes to the skin. Just remember that all the itching of the roost person, roost tox person, is better with hot water. And then we have roost venata, and that that is actually the poison sumac. This can also be really good for poison ivy. The vesicles um, on the skin are dark red. The itching is again relieved by hot water, and like I said, it's so closely allied to the roost tox, but I've seen persons, if you've ever seen a person who actually was exposed to poison sumac, the red the eruptions are a little bit different, you know, than poison ivy. They don't seem to be as weepy, but they're, they're just popular all over the whole body. And I seen one little boy, he was covered, literally covered head to toe. He looked like one big, you know, solid, it was just all bumpy, 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 but nothing was weeping. But he, he itched intensely. And then we have sanguinaria, which is another remedy listed as a ruse remedy when other things, again, fail. It antidotes the ruse poisoning. It has burning and itching. It is worse for heat. So here we have ruse tox, which was better for hot applications. Now we have sanguinaria again that is worse for heat in hot applications. has red blotchy eruptions. And again, it's worse in the spring. Here's one, and I've talked about this in other skin issues and other other podcasts. We talk about different things that go on. And of these remedies that we just discussed, anacardium, bryonia, the croton, the grindella, the rus, the rus venata, the sanguinaria, 
These are all plant remedies. And then we have cantharis, which is an animal remedy, graphites, which is a mineral remedy, and now we're going to talk about sepia again, which is also an animal remedy. Sepia, oddly enough, is, is amazing for a lot of skin issues. We just don't think about it because it's not usually listed at the top of the list, but it is itching that is not relieved by scratching. It's worse in the bends of the elbows and the knees. It has the itching vesicles, the urticaria, which is worse for cold, open air, and it's better in a warm room. Worse for touch, rubbing, scratching, better for just pressure, the warmth of the bed, hot applications. Worse for cold air, dampness, and a north wind. So if you've tried everything else, you know, I tell people, I know, in fact, as I was just discussing this with a woman last night, and it's just like bedwetting. There's so many different remedies for bedwetting, but oddly enough... When all the normal things have been tried, sepia very often will do the trick. And so it's just like it's one of those those quiet remedies that we always think of as the washerwoman, the, the worn-out, old, tired woman who's just been raising the family and is tired and she has a long, frumpy look. <laughs> but oddly enough, you know, this this remedy works really well on a lot of children as well. Whether the mother was in that sepia state when the child was born, I don't know. <laughs> But the point is, is sepia really works for a lot of these childhood diseases and is so often overlooked by many homeopaths. And because, like I said, we think of it as a woman's hormonal remedy, but it's really amazing. I've seen it work wonders for children who have chronic poison ivy. And again, we've listed some of the other skin issues that sepia is also famous for. And there you go. You know, the pregnant woman, you know, the hormonal things that that ulcers on the small joints, just different things like that. This remedy is... Like I said, it's very helpful in many situations. And of course, last but not least, number 11 that we're going to discuss today is sulfur. And sulfur is our main skin cell salt. Sulfur is is itching, especially from warmth. So, you know, that's why it's famous for, you know, feet coming out from under the covers. Every time they get warm, they, they become aggravated. They tend to have unhealthy looking skin that breaks out or is dry and scaly. The skin may even fester and, and has difficulty healing when it's injured. Instead, it's got the violent itching, burning when scratched, painfully sensitive to the air, wind and washing, itching, especially for the, from warmth in the evening, and it recurs in the spring in damp weather. But the point is, is sulfur is very often, you know, one of those things that you can take just to strengthen the body's, to strengthen the body's system and help the skin to become a stronger entity on the body. So, you know, like I said, Bruce talks, Bruce poisoning is one of those things that everybody has to deal with. It's not like, you know, even, even if you'll ever see it, it's when you'll see it. So it's nice to be prepared and know a little bit about the different remedies that you can give to your family or your friends or loved ones or even the Joe Schmo on the street. And it's just really nice to understand that it's, it's a problem. And I do have, there's a couple of other things that I do have in the store and people are always saying, well, will that suppress my poison ivy? Will it, you know, will it suppress? And oddly enough, I have never found that it's suppressed at all. Like I said, I have people who it just helps with the intensity. It's not suppressing. It's just acting to dry out the skin eruptions and the body actually does absorb the actual herb, like the Jimson weed, like the soap, the poison ivy soap, helps to dry out the vesicles so they're not so weepy and so bad. And then there's a cream as well that's made with olive oil and some more herbs. And so it doesn't suppress at all. And people who have used these two items say that it does help just to get them through the tough time until the body can 
get its immune system under control. So the biggest thing we've got to be careful is to never suppress. There are so many things we put on our skin that just suppress everything. I was talking to a mom last night and she said, you were talking about suppression and my son used to have, ter- he used to break out in terrible rashes all the time and now he has a cough. And I said, what'd you put on his skin? She goes, I don't know, some creams and stuff. And it's so easy to suppress something that's trying to come out on the skin. So you've, like I say, you've got to be really careful. Only use things that are 100% natural. So you've got to be careful. Everything you put on your skin, if you can't eat it, you shouldn't be putting it on your skin because it's... It, it is toxic. He's like lavender. Kent said lavender never suppresses. And you can use lavender on kids' poison ivy to help numb it. You know, because they'll say, oh, but it's a little bit on the oily side. But it will numb it. And it helps them to not feel like they're going <laughs> loopy because the itching is so intense. But it does help. And those types of things you can use that's not going to suppress. It's not going to get rid of it or push it back into the body. Just be careful with that sort of stuff, okay? And so, like I said, I don't want to beat this to death. Well, you've got the printout here that you can look at your look at when someone you know and love gets poison ivy. And, you know, just don't be afraid to use the remedies. Try one. If that doesn't work, try another one. Because there's only a few listed for better for cold applications or better for warm applications. So you can start with that. That's probably the strongest modality that you're going to have because everything has burning and itching, it seems. Some itching is more severe than others. But like I said, better for hot or better for cold is start with that. So with that, I'm going to let you go. Good luck with all your family members this summer and <laughs> and avoiding the poison ivy. But if you can't avoid it and you do get it, at least now you know how to approach it. All right. May God bless you and yours. A planner is not a planner unless it is a well-planned planner. The well-planned gal, Rebecca Ferris, is a homeschool mom who has a gift and she shares her talents with us in her planner series. A few of the amazing planners available are the Well-Planned Day, Student Planners, and even the High School Four-Year Planner. The newest planner is the Well-Planned Prayer Planner with an all-in-one planner and organizer. Organize your day with a focus on placing God first. Journaling 101 as well as scripture verses permeate this beautiful book. Take it everywhere and you will have all the information you need at your fingertips. Best of all, it becomes a keepsake and a wonderful guide for making prayer a priority. This journal is truly life-changing. Visit wellplannedgal.com for more information. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.